Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's Rugby League show. How are you? Coming up, we'll be looking back on last week's action at the Rugby League World Cup. We'll be talking Ireland, Tonga, New Zealand, and we'll be looking ahead to this week's quarterfinals. Also, we'll be debating should playing for your country be an honour or should you get paid for doing it? Plus, we hear from GTFM's Ian Golden, as he is in Adelaide and he will report on what's been going on down under. Well, then we concentrate on the domestic league, and North Wales Crusaders have received their 2018 fixtures. We get reaction from Mike Grady. Plus, we'll play some music as well. That's your rugby league fix for the next 60 minutes on Callum FM in the north and GTFM in the south. And for your southern listeners, you can communicate through our Facebook page, The Rugby League Show. So we're going to talk all things Rugby League now. And uh, Mark Fisher, we'll start with you first. Just your overview on uh, this weekend or last weekend's Rugby League World Cup action. Oh, it's been some great matches, hasn't there? There's uh, obviously the big one, uh, Tonga versus New Zealand, the match everyone's been waiting for. Uh, Scenes in the build-up to that just Tonga walking into the hacker no fear at all <laughs> fantastic and then they did their own the sippy tower is it yeah. Tonga do uh, it, was, yeah. it was absolutely tremendous I mean yeah. and, and the game the game oh my god the game um, Fusatua that David Fusatua is such a good finisher that high take in the corner what did you say Leon he's quite good isn't he he's rather good yes (laughs) and and I don't know if you've heard listeners Jason Taumalolo he's rather good as well yes yeah Yeah. it was yeah it was was, was really good and it's just you know the the, the southern island teams have brought so much this tournament haven't they they've brought Uh, so much this tournament and not not just not just in terms of high quality rugby league which they've brought in spades But just atmosphere. Passion, atmosphere, it's yeah, all there. The atmosphere at these games in New Zealand where Tonga and Samoa and New Zealand have been playing has been just nuclear. Well, I'm just going to go through the... Sorry, we're uh, just waxing lyrically, Conrad. I'm just going to go through the results. Uh, Fiji 38, Italy 10 on uh, Friday the 10th. Uh, three games on last Saturday. Australia 34, Lebanon nil. Samoa 14, Scotland 14. Uh, New Zealand 22, Tonga 28 and then three more on uh, Sunday European Field Day at Perth England 36 France 6 Wales 6 Ireland 34 PNG 64 United States nil Uh, so those were the results and at Perth watching those two games for us uh, England and France and Wales versus Ireland was our very own Ian Golden and this is what he had to say well, I'm delighted on the phone. We've caught up with Ian Golden, who is now in Adelaide to see some relatives, and then he'll be making his way to Melbourne to watch Papua New Guinea versus England. But Ian, the last weekend of group games happened last week. Uh, Wales bowed out of the uh, World Cup, and let's be fair, it was a better performance against Ireland. Would you agree? 
It was, yeah. And when you look at the teams, it was a Super League, a glorified Super League against Championship match. Uh, they had 13 out of the 17 were Super League players for Ireland, uh, and uh, only three regular Super League in the Wales side, and a few League One as well. So it really showed, and the, the, the result is what one might expect between a Super League and a, and a, a, a decent level Championship side. Um, lower League Super League versus high level Championship. So, yeah, we bowed out. We bowed out gracefully, but as we discussed last week, we know there's work to be done, and uh, it's up to WRL to do it now to strengthen the side for next time round. Now, since last week, since we last spoke with you, Ian, uh, John Key has said uh, that he would want to stick with the Wales job. He has to, doesn't he? Yeah, great, great. I mean, he's the best coach for it. He coached the players the best he could. Uh, and they're a great bunch of players. They are good players. Um, but they are good, a lot of them are good championship players, and they themselves will admit that. Uh, so they are there representing Wales, and they did the best job that they possibly could most of the time. So you can't say more than that, but we just need a few more at the top level. And yeah, John will help to bring them on. I'm sure he is giving advice of uh, getting players into academies. Um, I suppose crack some of them to Wakefield to be honest but there's some good lads going up there uh, going up north and it is great to see uh, John stay on I, I can't see any other coach who would do a job as similar or better than he can to be fair yeah that, that's, that is a very positive sort of uh, thing coming out of the World Cup but I just want to Ian did you what was the reaction after the Ireland game what was the mood in the camp was it more of a sense of relief that like it was over or relief for the last game perhaps I could sense that the moods in the backroom staff wasn't really get up and go if you see what I mean right at the end that yeah. I think they had really had enough and the, the, the players certainly gave it the best that they possibly could um, yeah I, I think in general it probably looking at them it may have been a sigh of relief and you, you, I saw pictures of them relaxing by the pool the day after the game so I think it's phew. but I'm sure they would have really much preferred to have won uh, three games and been going on to Melbourne this week to face England instead of Papua New Guinea I'm certain of that well they're not you are and uh, England played in in a double header didn't they in in Perth against France Uh, England weren't convincing were they Ian really no I think they took their foot off the gas in the second half to be honest they did all the damage in the first half after 10 minutes 9 minutes even it was 16-0 10 minutes it was 18-0 after the conversion and Wales had it so England had it sewn up after after 10 minutes Uh, they made sure the job was done in the first half and I think in the second half they just tried not to get injured Um, people people did notice that they thought that uh, there was a consensus that England should have put more on a display like Papua New Guinea did against uh, USA Um, that's really what kind of what should have happened Wayne Bennett was as usual really not saying much in the press conference he gave uh, answers of three or four words really I've heard better from uh, no disrespect to him from Conor Farrer is not much of a talker down in South Wales but so I expected a lot more then um, we'll see England being tested against Papua New Guinea this is going to be their first big test of the tournament and uh, also about the day is what, what a fantastic day it was in Perth almost 15,000 there I think it was three quarters of the stadium full loads of Brits hundreds probably a couple of thousands over I'm up to a couple of thousand over from the UK but there are thousands of Brits living in Perth and they really boosted the crowds English Welsh and Irish the French were a big minority in the crowd but it was a brilliant atmosphere and it was a great rugby league day it was almost like a grand final the first time in my three weeks here that I've seen it like a grand final you know where you see fans 
months walking the streets all day getting on buses being in bars it was brilliant to be there in Perth oh yeah it, lo- it looked good on the telly and uh, of course Perth they're, they're experimenting they're playing at least one NRL game a year there aren't they so hopefully we'll see a team there soon <laughs> well hopefully yeah now that uh, the Perth Rugby Union side has gone they're gonna the overball fans are gonna need their fix and I don't think with the fans down under I don't think there's well, there'll be a few but I think a good lot of them will probably just watch rugby the union or league yeah. so the opening is there in uh, in Perth uh, especially for a rugby league side I believe in the NRL yeah another point pe- people are talking about is angry really that uh, Ireland win two games of the World Cup and they don't pro- yeah. they don't progress okay we obviously yeah. know the rules before the ball was kicked but yeah that has to change for the next World Cup, doesn't it? Surely. Well, it's going to change. Yeah, yeah. it's going to change. It's going to be four pulls of port four. Sorry to interrupt you there, but I do have my theory on what looking at it to really what should have done with these groups. And uh, this is what I think should have done. Top two from the groups of four go through, okay? Yeah. Top one from the groups of three go through. That leaves it six. Then you have the best two sides of the rest, okay? So that would have put Ireland through and Samoa out, which would have been the fairest thing uh, as a tiebreaker let's just say both there are a couple of teams on three points or a couple of teams on four points then the uh, the team from the super group would go through instead of the team from the uh, minor group so that's the way I would have done it so you would have had the top two from each of the groups I think three I think Lebanon still would have gone through but Samoa wouldn't and Ireland would have done which would have been the fairest result so yeah. uh, that's what should have happened in my book so you listen to the rugby league show here on your Callan FM in the North and GTFM in the South and that was GTFM's uh, very own Ian Golden and uh, he was just finishing there for what he would do in this uh, World Cup format full start though guys it's very wrong isn't it where Ireland has won two games out of three uh, and they don't progress Samoa have only drawn one game uh, got a very bad points difference if you compare both Ireland and Samoa and they go through it's uh, no I, I disagree with you so, Conrad something wrong isn't it I no I I right. disagree with you there I'm with, I'm with Morris on this I, one. I think I think it's like comparing bananas and not oranges because because the, the, the tier one they're playing tier one teams they're playing Ireland, top teams Ireland are playing teams okay it turns, just, out, it turns just, out that Papua New Guinea are a really good team but in the seeding they went we, we didn't know they were a good team until they came into the competition they were seeded down at, well in the teams Papua New Guinea I think were 19 coming but, into so, this so 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 that in that group they were nineteenth seed, right? So that group that Ireland were in was a much much weaker group. Of course, they won two two games. They were playing in a weaker group. Scot- uh, Scotland were playing in a much harder group. They were playing with with tier one uh, it's tier one team in their group and and the and the higher seeded teams. So you, so they're playing against more difficult clubs. So if you're playing against more difficult clubs, and that, uh, your, your your win counts for more or your draw counts for more. Can I just point out that Scotland came into this tournament fourth in the world. Yeah, the the groups are based on the world rankings. Now then, it's a fair point to say that the world rankings have not accurately reflected teams' talent levels. But in some cases, that could have been avoided. Ireland, in particular, have not sent out a team with this much quality in, for example, the European Championships in 2015. Yeah, exactly. If they don't play Super League teams all the way through the the the, the four years between tournaments, and then they just bring turn up with Super League players for the World Cup they can't expect their ranking to be uh, high can they because I don't think there are enough teams to fill a 16 team four group World Cup I, uh, 
I thought this this same structure was used in 2013, and I thought it was a lot more successful then, because in so, part the kind of rankings were a lot more even. Wales, as we've discussed, lost all their games that year, but they were three uh, very competitive games. There were competitive games all across the board, apart from when groups C and D's winners took on the winner of Group A and B. Although they have changed that slightly this year because it's the second place teams taking on the winners of groups C and D. So um, I think not against the structure so much, but the talent levels have not matched the rankings. They've, they've, the, 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 the ranking system just, just let, let it down a bit. They've underestimated the, the, the quality of the island teams, I think. Yeah, and I think they've overestimated Scotland. Yeah, well, they, yeah they've all, but, but you see, but, but Scotland got into the four nations yeah. and they drew with New Zealand. Yeah. So, so, they, yeah, were, yeah. so they were there on merit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've they've got results. They've got a result against Samoa. Yeah. So you know, they, yeah, they were there on merit. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ireland. If you want to get uh, number four seeding, you've got to play your Super League players in all your games. Uh, shout out to Liam Finn, who has been the captain of Ireland for a very long time now, and has yeah. been he's, a fantastic he's servant to Irish through thick and thin. Yeah. The, the, the one notable honourable mention really because 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 where, where are the rest of the Super League players I mean, when we were in Dublin watching Wales against against Ireland where, where, where were they all then nowhere to be seen Wales beat them easily I do have a problem we discussed it last week didn't we um, at some length but players picking and choosing which country to play to play in I don't know what the answer is folks I do not know what the answer is but something needs to be changed if, if you put your hand up to play for one country as far as I'm concerned you should stick with that country um, I don't know the exact answer to it at the minute but Morris you may have the answer for me yeah <laughs> well I haven't got the answer but I'll tell you one thing money is the problem if, 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 Austra- if Australia are paying £20,000 to their players you know if, 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 I'm, if I'm somebody from Tonga and, and I'm going to play for Tonga for $500 and all of a sudden I get an offer to play for Australia for, for, for 20000 what am I going to do? I'm going to play for Australia for 20000 you, you know despite I, I'm, the fact that I might love Tonga okay the debate is then should playing for your country be an honour I and mean, you could do it for free or should you be paid, get paid for it should you? Mark, it's a very tough question. Uh, it's a very, very difficult question because you're talking about something which, for example, if you have a, a, a full-time job either in Sydney, as a lot of these uh, Lebanese players do, or even back here and you're taking time off, I, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable to expect a bit of money. I, I believe... Uh, rugby league types have felt this way since about 1895 <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah when you're talking about ten thousand twenty thousand dollars that is you know a, a huge disparity and I think they need to kind of close that disparity up either with central funding from an international body or what I don't know but why can't they have an equal funding right across it for each team if you if you win you get the so the further you get the more money you get or whatever so see in some of like Wales's cases and Ireland's cases most of these players are self-employed or, or you know so therefore they're losing money yeah so although on the flip side it is very hard to argue that the Wales team should be paid as much as the Australian team 
because the Australian team are the absolute best in the world at what they do. Yeah, but you could play. I, I think I think you know the the, the three team leagues could have a, yeah. a, a wage, and the four team leagues could have a, a wage. And then, and then if they get to the quarterfinals, everybody in the quarterfinals gets paid the same. Yeah, I, yeah. to be honest, something like that, I think I, 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 I think, could I go think for. I I think, and go you for see that. then, uh, all the Tongan players or, or, or whatever, all the island players that are playing for Australia, we're saying, no, we're not going to play for Australia, we're going to play for our team. And that would strengthen up the island teams and weaken Australia, to be honest. And that, and that, and that wouldn't be would a bad be, thing for rugby. That would not be a bad thing at all. We spoke about last week briefly, didn't we, about uh, how the World Cup is sort of seen in Australia. We said it was a third-tier competition. Now, do you think if the attitude changed, say if Australia lost an international game, you know, for example, they're losing a final, do you think for every World Cup after that, they'll take it a bit more seriously? I get the impression that there's arrogance in and around the NRL and, and Australia well, and I, I don't like it personally. Yeah. I think I think to an extent that happened after the World Cup in 2008, which was held in New Zealand. And New Zealand won, and then Australia came out. And well, no, they also no. New Zealand went on to win the next Four Nations, didn't they? Yeah. And yeah, then they in 2013, Australia came over here and stomped all they say saw, and then they walked over the last Four Nations. So I think there's an element to what you're saying. There's although a, there's a bit of a uh, NRL Oberalis mentality as well, isn't there? That all, all they are, NRL is the superior uh, origin. Uh, origin yeah. is like the highest level, yeah. and then followed uh, by the NRL. Yeah, and yeah. And, 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 and they, they look down at Super League for sure. Yeah. And and you know. Yeah. And they, they and they, uh, you saw the Italy game. They thought yeah. Ireland would, would would lose to Italy because Italy was 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 uh, peppered with NRL players, and of course NRL players can't lose. Well, it didn't work out that way, did it? I'm just going to go off on a tangent, but it, it's basically tying up everything. A few couple of seasons ago, they announced that a World Club Series will happen. Casford earned the right to play in a World Club Series because they won the League Leaders Trophy. Now, there's not going to be a World Club Series. There's just going to be the one-off game, Leeds Rhinos versus Melbourne, held at Melbourne. It seems to me that the NRL are dictating what happens in the game. The excuse mm. saying that uh, most of the players are in World Cup duty, there's not going to be enough time for... Um, pre-season training so therefore they've scrapped it <laughs> it's, they make it up as they go along don't they well the thing is it, the World Club Series over here has always been a bit of a pre-season tournament to the Aussies because they don't start until the middle of March I don't but think it, but it generates income yeah it, you know, it, yeah. it makes money for, for, for the Aussies yeah. it definitely generates income for them when they play it down there it doesn't generate as much income and, yeah. that's, and that's the problem you, you know I think part of the problem is that the Super League season and the NRL season don't run parallel. They don't quite match up, do they? No, no. Uh, there are more teams, but it's a sh- they play fewer games. Maybe they should play at the end of the season. In the international break. Or just in between the international <laughs> break and the, and the end of the season. It's Just to confirm, then, that match uh, in the World Club Challenge will take place on Friday the 16th of February at AAMI... Uh, Park in Melbourne at eight o'clock local time. Of course, Leeds Rhinos have won the World Club Challenge uh, three times before in 2005, 2008, and 2012, and have lost four finals. Uh, the two clubs have faced each other in three previous finals, which were all held in Leeds. So, <laughs> about time that 
the uh, British team travelled over to Australia. I think the last team to do it was Wigan in, in 2013, I think it was. It'll be interesting to see what sort of crowds they get there for that. Is there not talk of Wigan and Hull going Yeah, Wigan and Hull are playing their well. Super League game, aren't they? Oh, is that over there? Yeah. yeah. Where's, where are they playing that? They're playing that in Sydney. The game of the weekend was the New Zealand versus Tonga game. Tonga coming out on top, 28 points to 22, and that threw it all upside down, didn't it? Because it's, well, on paper, it's made the path for England a bit easier, shall we say, uh, to the, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> till the final. Because they'll, they'll avoid New Zealand, won't they, uh, Mark? Well, they. I think they were always going to have to play the winner of... Group B in the semi-final, whether that's New Zealand or whether that's Tonga, and I don't think that Tonga is the easier prospect in the slightest bit, and I think the results <laughs> pair me out on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think you know before this tournament, and without knowing about the defections, I think yeah, it's you'd say that it's in the the thing upside down but I think it's the defections Absolutely. from New Zealand which have turned it upside down how many defections were there Mike? eight was it uh, it was seven from New Zealand with Andrew Fafita from Australia so there you are I mean you get, you got that on top of an already yeah. fairly Andrew, strong team Andrew Fafita yeah. is just is, is just he's like David Fafita but better <laughs> <laughs> and I've David Fafita is actually a tremendous prop for Wakefield in a kind yeah. of 20 minute smash yeah. everything for 20 minutes kind of way um, but yeah and it was such a good match yeah. such fantastic skill on display from both teams yeah. and I was New Zealand 16 points to 2 up at one point something so like that the, the comeback on display from from Tonga mm. and the crowd all the way through that waving sea of red. Oh my yeah, we god! Were we were talking earlier on about it, weren't we? But I, I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. England have got their hands full of Nick Conrad, and I think England you know. were going to have their hands full. Whoever was the better team out of New Zealand, and I want to briefly talk about England against France. Uh, Ian did mention about it, but. They weren't convinced them, were they, Mark? And we'll go into the team because he has made changes going into next week. We'll talk about the game against France first. What did you What did you think of it? Uh, Ian, Ian talked about it a bit. They uh, they came out. They they blew the doors off them in the first twenty minutes. Uh, they made a few changes at about thirty minutes. They brought Gale off, George Williams on. Uh, no, Widdop was always playing uh, fullback, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. He finished off. The Lebanon match of fullback, which is where I think he got the idea from, uh, and I think that took a little bit of spark from England. I thought Gale was having quite a good game, although I did feel like Roby and Brown were doing a very good job of making Gale look better. Like they were bringing Gale onto the line. Brown was 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 a revelation. I thought in the first half, you know, it was it was a much better team with Brown in in in, in the uh, halves. Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, Mark Robinson was talking about this last week. He thought that uh, Kev Brown would do quite well in a in a Wayne Bennett kind of mm. structured team. I think he did because he was he it was, was passing very right. smartly at the line. Uh, obviously, he's got that that fantastic England pack to work with. Um, yeah, no, I thought they they did quite well. Um, well, it, yeah. England make uh, four changes coming back into yeah. uh, this week, uh, but 
the, the, it's thrown out a few debates because Gareth Widdop is now playing at fullback. Jermaine McGilvery, uh, Callum Watkins, John Bateman, Ryan Hall returns as well. He sticks with the uh, Kevin Brown and Luke Gale combination <coughs> at halfback. Uh, Luke Gale, Chris Hill, Judge Hodgson starts at hooker, and then you, in the front row you got James Graham, Sam Burgess, Elliot Whitehead, and Sean O'Loughlin, and a powerful bench: uh, Alex Wormsley, Thomas Burgess, Ben Curry, and James Roby on the bench. Now I'm not a Saint Helens, I, I am a Saint Helens fan, a massive but, Saint Helens but, but, fan, Conrad. I'm not going to be biased here. But uh, how come <laughs> James Roby is not starting is totally beyond me, if I'm going to be honest. And uh, I'd certainly have Matt Percival at centre. Uh, he's a specialist there for me. Um, so what I, do you I think? think right, I think Roby, yeah. I think Roby definitely uh, isn't in the nine shirt, to my mind. But, he, but he, he, I think he brings a lot off the bench. I think if you, if you, if you bring him on after 30 minutes... He, he's he's going to be he's going to be really effective. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things that England, one of the things I've disagreed with with this England squad for the last two games is the uh, the three prop and a standoff bench, uh, which I don't think is particularly very effective. Uh, it's left the the dummy half doing eighty minutes and without uh, a ball handling loose forwards. I think England have struggled to break down teams. So to have, I think if they run, yeah. Uh, Hodgson for say 25 I think no more than 25 minutes uh, and then have Roby play the rest of the game at 9 mm. and then O'Loughlin takes the first 50-60 minutes and then Hodgson comes out to finish the game at 13 I think that would be a, a very effective lineup. You've got you've got two people who in theory can pass the ball yeah. on the pitch at any one time who can still defend very well I think that's dangerous I, I think it's pretty, pretty near the strongest team Conrad yeah. himself Although, going back to Percival, I don't think Percival stood out against France, really. I don't think he earned his shirt the same way that Roby did. Bateman yeah. has been solid the whole tournament. He's, you know, I don't think he's been a particularly effective centre. He's been a, uh, but a very effective extra second row. Yeah. I just want to pick up what um, Jonathan Davis said on PPC television. said to be careful with using Burgess because Burgess will be a target so he was saying that he should be playing using him as a, a decor so sucking in the defenders creating the overlap do you agree with that Morris? Yeah I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good point actually I think they will be targeting Burgess I don't I don't think it's and it's a, and it's a good tactic I, I don't think just Burgess though I think there's, there's plenty of dangerous players in that England pack that dummy runners good shape and good passing is going to need to is going to spread the defence out, and whoever takes the ball at the line, as long as they've got well disciplined support outside them, is going to have the space to cause a lot of damage. So, do we think that England are going to win it easily then, or, or or is it going to be a tough game for them? I think it's going to be a tough game. I think PNG are going to mm. want to play. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I think it's going to be a tough game. What about you, Conrad? I think, I think England won't have any problems. I think they'll find it tough, but I think they'll get over the line. I think the, the worry is that Tonga next week should. The results go the way we think they go. They go the way they will go. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The Tonga game is going to be much more difficult again. Yeah. I think. I think. I think uh, they are not going to find. It. I think if they, if England play like they played when they were beating Lebanon and France, like to actually win the games in the first twenty minutes, yeah. they'll do well. But the danger is PNG will punish them if they take their foot off for a moment in a way that France and Lebanon cannot and another factor as well which we didn't speak about but <laughs> Papua New Guinea have got three hookers on that pitch 
you know, that's, they well, play this, with, is, this is something I'd, I've been trying to mention. I, yeah. I like that attacking, mm. ball handling, you know, aggressive mm. middle two dummy half sets. Mm. I, I really like that. I think that's been a highlight of the way PNG have played. Yeah, I'm just going to go through because the Women's World Cup starts this week as well and they've got three games in a week well that's a bit harsh I think but it all starts uh, tomorrow Thursday the 16th of November New Zealand women take on the Canadian women at 2.45 in the morning Australia take on the Cook Islands women 5 o'clock and England women take on the Papua New Guinea women at 7.30 be interesting how those rounds go and then the Men's World Cup kicks off on Friday with Australia taking on Samoa at 9.30 quickly who's going to win that? I, I think Australia. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're going to see a vastly different Samoa team. I think they they did kind of take their foot off the gas. I think they picked a slightly weaker squad because they were expecting uh, Scotland on the back foot. But And I think also Scotland played out of their minds to get the draw. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think, it, again, Australia aren't going to find it easy, but they're going to win quite comfortably. Okay, Saturday we'll see Tonga versus Lebanon. Tonga's going to win that, Tonga, aren't they? Tonga's going to yeah. win that. But, but, but of course, Lebanon have got good players. So, you know, but yeah, but yeah Tonga uh, should Mo- win that. Moses and, Moses and Farah have been yeah, uh, pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I think there's too much quality yeah. in that Tonga team. Uh, New Zealand, the Kiwis take on Fiji at 6.30. Who's going to win that one? That's going to mm. be... I I think that's that's going to be the, the tightest game of, the, of this round, I think. Well, we'll see how good Fiji are because really, they haven't really been tested yet. We'll see, how, we'll see how New Zealand are. Yeah. Yeah, you know whether whether Tonga really are up this higher level or whether they just or whether New Zealand keyed it in for this one game. Yeah, England take on Papua New Guinea at five o'clock. We've, I think England are going to win that one. I, I don't think they're going to win by more than about twenty points, though. I I, I think uh, twelve points in it. There you go. England to win okay and then on Sunday the Women's World Cup in round two Australia take on England uh, New Zealand take on Cook Islands and the Papua New Guinea take on Canada women and then on Wednesday next Wednesday they play again England take on the Cook Islands Australian women take on Canadian women and New Zealand women take on Papua New Guinea women so that's all your World Cup action of course we'll have another show next week regarding that after this song though we'll talk about all domestic stuff talk about the South Wales or West Wales Raiders fiction and Northwoods Crusaders. You're listening to the Rugby League Show on your Callan FM in the north and GTFM in the south. And now we're going to turn our attentions to the domestic league because the Rugby Football League today released the 2018 League One fixtures with new entrants Bradford Bulls beginning their 2018 campaign away at the York City Knights. When the competition gets underway on Sunday, February the 18th, the Knights, who finished fourth in League One in 2017, will be hoping to begin the new campaign with a win against fellow p- promotion hopefuls and League One debutants. The opening weekend will see six further games take place. Oldham beginning life in League One away at Whitehaven, while Doncaster take on Coventry Bears, Keithley Cougars take on Workington Town, and Hemelstags come up against Hunslet. The first weekend will also see two games take place in Wales, as North Wales Crusaders face London Scholars and West Wales Raiders take on 2017 playoff semi-finalist Newcastle Thunder. The first Cumbrian derby of the season will take place at the end of March in round five of the competition when Whitehaven hosts Workington Town. That weekend will also see the first matchup between North Wales Crusaders and West Wales Raiders. Newcastle Thunder will continue their annual tradition of hosting a league game at home on 
Friday evening of the Dacia Magic Weekend when they take on Bradford Balls on May the 18th and the London Scholars will host Keithley Cougars for the annual Friday Night Lights match and the day before the Ladbrokes Challenge Cup on the 24th of April. The 2018 League One competition will see 14 teams play each other home and away with the league champions granted automatic promotion to the championship and a playoff system involving the teams finishing second and fifth to determine the second promoted team and we got the reaction of Mike Grady earlier on when the fixtures were announced earlier today and this is what he had to say well on the telephone I'm delighted that we have North Wales Crusaders coach Mike Grady now Mike 12 o'clock you were glued to your device because uh, the 2018 North Wales Crusaders fixtures came out uh, your reaction it's a home game. It starts with London Scholars. You must be pleased with the home game to begin with. Yeah, de- definitely pleased with the home game, mate. Um, just just to play in front of the, the home supporters. Um, just just all sorts that come with it. The the, the income revenue for the club. So it's, uh, it's good to get a home game to start off. But in terms of uh, London Scholars, the as you know, they put a big score on us last time they came to Queensway. So it's a tough start, mate. And I've touched on it quite a few times it's no easy games and as I say it's a very tough start against London Scholars yeah London Scholars and then we've, we're thinking that it's a round three of the Challenge Cup uh, that's why there's only one game in February but let's, let's look at March a tough month that uh, worked in town away Hunslet Oldham and then West Wales so March you're gonna, uh, we were talking about this a few weeks ago you want to hit the ground running um, some difficult games in March that is yeah we, we do want to hit the ground running that's, uh, that's for definite but some, some tough games there and I think we've got three away games in, the, in that month so well, as, as you know from last season we like playing away don't we we never seem to be at home so it's a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough month and then, and then to finish the month off we've got, got a massive trip to West Wales and, and we did that trip last year and it's, uh, it doesn't have to take it out with the boys so it's, uh, it's, it's a very tough month but with, with the fixtures mate same as last year I'm looking forward to every single game I'm excited I can't wait and, and that goes the same for the staff and the players they can't wait to get stuck in yeah, that, that, that is a good Friday trip, isn't it? Uh, the West Wales trip. So it's on a Friday afternoon we go there. Uh, April, we see Doncaster, Newcastle and Hemel Stags. Uh, again, two more tough games, three more tough games because Hemel Stags would, would improve. And um, as you say, no no, no busy, no easy games in April. There's just not, mate. And I think Hemel are based there. They were based in Jewsby last year and it's, they moved to Sheffield, I think, this year. So again, they're picking from a, from a decent, decent talent pool out of players. So... Mate, it's got to be tough. Every, everything's tough, and a lot of it depends on ourselves. If I'm totally honest with you, last year we came up against some some very good sides in the top eight, and uh, made a very good account of ourselves. So we just need to take that that, that attitude, that mentality into every game this year, and, and I'm sure we'll be okay. Okay, uh, let's look at the standout fixtures though. Uh, June, we see we go, we travel to Bradford. Who would have thought that? Uh, but June is a tough month. Bradford, York, and London again. No, no uh, tough games there. But Bradford, you'll be looking forward to that challenge, won't you? 9th of June yeah, I can't wait I can't wait mate. Um, obviously they've been uh, they've been Super League champions world champions challenge cup holders so uh, for me personally it's exciting to, to, to go to a place like Bradford and coach against a team like Bradford and I'm sure it will be for the players so it's uh, very exciting that one I'm not sure what type of I think they're going with a full time team again by the looks of it so it's going to be going to be a very tough one they'll be looking at going straight back up but you won't prove last year when they beat Toronto if, if you're on your game and, and then dead off the game anything can happen so we'll be looking forward to, forward to that trip definitely yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking through the fixtures, Mike, and I'm, there's you know where you say, oh, we, there's, there's a bit of an easy month there. There isn't, is there? If you look at them, uh, nah, there's, uh, there's there's not, mate. There's, I, I, I speak to someone about this the other day, and I, I do touch on it every year. I sound like a broken record, but 
well, League One just it just seems to get tougher and more competitive every year, and, and this year's no different. You obviously had Toulouse in a couple of years ago, Toronto last year, Bradford this year, likes of Oldham coming down, and, and, and there's plenty of tough teams in the league, and it just doesn't get any easier, and which is good for the sport. It's, it's fantastic for the sport, and um, it's just going to be another tough competition, but an enjoyable one looking at it. Yeah. Um... We end the campaign with a trip to Keighley. You want to get that right, won't you? You want to, we owe them one as well. It wasn't a, it wasn't a very good trip the last time we went there, was it? But um, it was one of our first games. I think the, I think he caught us on the up, and it wasn't a good day. The picture was probably the worst I've seen in a long time. And yeah, I suppose you can use all them excuses, but hopefully by the time the last game of the season comes around, we'll have, we'll have played, to, played with each other enough throughout the year to uh, to put in a decent performance. And, and I, I, the Keithley coach did message me uh, halfway through the season. He said he was glad that he, he caught us when he did because he's seen some of the results we were getting against the good side. So one of them, maybe we didn't, we didn't yell last season at the time we played Keithley, but hopefully, if well, if we don't yell by the time we play him this season, we've got problems, haven't we? So come the last game of the season, hopefully we'll be okay. It's a bit of a weird question I'm going to ask you now, uh, Mike, because I know what you're going to say to me. But be, being a realistic man, you know we are going to lose games, but. How many games would you target to win this year? It is a, it's a very tough question. I've never, um, I've never gone into into a league campaign and, and said that I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do that. Generally, I take each game as it, each game as it comes, and each each performance. So I want to perform well this week, and then we'll concentrate on the next week. And in terms of league position, mate, I, I, I want to, I want to be looking at the top eight. I want to be looking at the top eight. Um, I see. I was looking at it the other day, and I think it was about there was about ten, twelve. Someone, someone did a prediction online. I think the other day, and, and the top ten, and we, they didn't even predict us in the top ten. And I looked in, and I thought, well, there, there's some strong teams in that ten. So, mate, it's, it's going to be tough. And I couldn't tell you how many I'm targeting. You, you want to win as many as you can, don't you? But we'll take each game as it comes. But it's, in, but it's imperative, mate, that you that you win most of your home games, surely. Yeah, definitely. That was, that was that was in the back of my mind. Then when you when you asked me that, most of the home games. Have, Apart, well, I can't say apart from Bradford because we'll be looking to beat Bradford, but the likes of Bradford will be tough. But apart from that, there's no reason why we can't win all our home games. And, and maybe if we, if we start looking at Queensway as a fortress and try and make it as a fortress, and we can go on there for, for the away games. But yeah, it's going to be tough, mate. Can't give you the exact answer, but we're looking at doing a lot better than what we uh, than what we did last season. So, I'll tell you what, Conrad, you really had him on the rack there. You 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 no more missed a nice guy. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, it was it was like um, uh, Paxo, wasn't it, on on Newsnight trying to get us, trying to get some information out of him on on how many games he'd win. Well, except I didn't ask him, <laughs> I didn't ask him ten times, did I? Three, though. <laughs> but anyway, Morris, you just said that you're pleased that it's normal. You know, the the plans, map, the years mapped out. You know who's play, who you play. Yes, is, isn't that. that isn't that a good thing that people buying their season tickets know exactly what games they're going to get. And, and uh, people can organise their holidays knowing that, uh, you know, th- th- what weekends uh, series are playing and, they, and, and they're not going to miss the, the, the games they want to see it. You know, getting halfway through the season without knowing how this, where we're going to go at the end of the season has been an, a nightmare. And it's hard, I think, to organise for that. What do you think, Mac? I, I, I take your points. I take your points. Um, but I one of the things I liked about the old structure and I suspect we may go back to it next year when we get an extra one or two teams I did like the split for increasing the amount of competitive games at the end of the season and I liked that you know 
at the end of the season teams who are kind of under the just the home and away kind of system are floundering in mid-table actually have something to go for obviously we were kind of caught out by that this year for a number of reasons reasons you made up and I definitely feel like uh, it could be improved because I mean obviously not just for the league we ended up going to one place last year four times stuff like that is very very difficult but the kind of concept of the structure to keep competitive games and meaningful games all the way through, I think, is a really good thing. And, and I'm going to take, I take your point, and I, and I, I, I do think if, if we're if, if we're languishing, say, in eleventh place or something like that, halfway through the season, you know, the crowds will fall, and there's nothing to play for, and that's and that is a danger. I, I do, I do accept that. I just want to quickly talk about West Wales. Uh, West Wales Raiders um, we saw halfway through last season that they or this season they brought um, some youngsters through and they did well didn't they they won yeah. their first game uh, with those youngsters it's all about growing for them they, isn't it youngsters are community players oh community players they brought yeah. a batch they, they blooded them didn't they made their league one debut yeah, they, didn't they? they were mainly West Wales players although I assume that they'll be looking to get a few other uh, from the Welsh Premiership yeah. into and, that team and they, and, they did, and they did very well didn't they they, yes, shook, they did. shook the team up and, they, and obviously they're a question mark they beat we, we Gloucester don't know, didn't they yeah. we don't I, know who's going to be there yet this, this yeah. season and they, you know, they could surprise everybody lot, we just yeah, don't they, know they, they played with like a lot of pride and a lot of determination in a way that perhaps you know less local players yeah. don't have for we, that we haven't been able to get shares. local players coming through have we yeah. No, but North Wales Crusaders are delighted to announce plans to form an A-team for the 2018 season. The squad will feature a mixture of players who have come through the youth ranks at the clubs as well as new players who will join the squad during pre-season and the aim is to play in either the North Wales, sorry, the North Wales League or the North West County structure. Mark Robinson, the Crusaders Community Licensing Officer, spoke to North Wales Crusaders about the plans and he said it's the start of a long journey to building a pathway for Welsh players to be able to develop and play in the first team. Uh, so that's what he said uh, and they're also recruiting for players head coach assistant coach team manager and physio all positions will be voluntary and for more information just email community at northworldscrusaders.co.uk so positive news there great news I hope we this can get people in, in, in place to, to make it happen you know to, having an A team having somewhere for players who are not playing for the first team to play and and having and having something for, for, for other players that are coming a through that uh, good to play standard of open age rugby is like critical for the development of these under 18s players well, they were under 18 last year weren't they who, are, we who are maybe know. not ready to challenge for a, a semi-pro team to get them some open age rugby at a high standard is absolutely critical it's to the growth be great. of the game in this area and some more news as well from North Wales Crusaders Gavin Comroy has become the latest player to join Mike Grady's North Wales Crusaders squad for the 2018 season Comroy who played wing on the, uh, for the Farmworth Holton Hornets last week, last season joins the Wrexham based side with vast playing experience in the amateur game on signing the Crusaders Comroy said I'm delighted to be here and I'm happy to have been given the opportunity to step up to this level so uh, something that we touched on didn't we fine players from the amateur game and also some more news as well big year next year for the wheelchair a Wales wheelchair rugby league will be holding training camps on the following dates the 14th of January the 25th of February and the 18th of March uh, this will be held at Deeside Ledger Centre if you want to try out to be part of the current holders of the Celtic Cup squad and can meet the qualifying criteria feel free to come along if you need to and all you need to do is contact Steve Jones who is the Welsh coach big year for them because it is the Celtic Cup it's going to be held at D-side and something that we'll be uh, looking into and covering in the 2018 season the Celtic Cup is the Wales yes and and Wales are holders of the Celtic Cup yes they are so So, we'll be defending it in D-side yes 
thank you very much that's it and a big show as always yeah. honestly nice, just nice fit it all in just about we did next week just a thumbs up we have Gareth Jones coming in and he will be talking more about the Welsh um World Cup and uh, we'll be sharing his views or he'll be sharing his views and we'll be debating them around this table I'm sure uh, so look for, out for that we're hoping to get an interview with uh, Chris there as well before we go off air in two weeks time uh, get a re- review of the World Cup but uh, thank you very much uh, as always uh, Matt Fisher thank you for your ex- expertise <laughs> and your angle you have a unique angle I like it and uh, Morris thank you for just joining in and being just being awkward yeah no you're not awkward <laughs> you're not awkward and thank you for joining us uh, hope you enjoyed it down in South Wales of course you'll be back on at midnight next uh, week and of course you can listen to the podcast now which will go out every Friday uh, and you can listen to it also you can listen to all the other sports shows on GTFM of course they'll be reviewing and previewing the Autumn Internationals and up here Wrexham FC is on the agenda as well all their matches live and exclusive on Callan FM for, for me Conrad Anderson and all the team here broadcasting from the Glyndor Studios in, here in Wrexham it's be good be safe and enjoy your rugby league bye bye